Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We're in episode 213-213. And uh, today we got another Booked and Paid to Speak student who is joining us. Now, Booked and Paid to Speak is our primary training program where we walk through a step-by-step -step system of exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements. And our guest today is someone who went through the program uh, a couple years ago and has had some serious success in his business, has done extremely well. And so we're going to get to all of that in just a second. Now, if you want to learn more about how to find and book speaking engagements, you definitely want to check out our free training, our free webinar that we offer at freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. And uh, there we dig into uh, our overall system and process for finding and booking free or finding and booking speaking gigs, paid speaking gigs. And the training itself, though, is totally free. So make sure you check that out again over at freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. Now, today we're talking with Pete Smith, and uh, we talk about a wide range of topics here. Pete, uh, he speaks on significance. We talk about how that actually translates to different industries and how not to be viewed as just kind of a, a general, vague, motivational or inspirational speaker or, or kind of a topic. We talk about how he got his start in speaking. We Also, this is a great story about the first time he was asked about how much he charged to speak. So we talk through that story. We talk about what he does right now to book gigs. And uh, as a fun little thing at the end there, he has a common name, Pete Smith. There's a lot of people. Pete Smith's in the world, as he'll tell you. So how he picked a domain for his uh, for his website. So for you, maybe your name is John Doe, and you're, you just cannot get johndoe.com. Then we're going to talk through what to do in that situation as well. So a lot of great stuff from Pete. Let's get right into it. Here's this conversation with Pete Smith. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here today, joined by my buddy Pete Smith, who has been in the uh, speaking game for a little bit here and uh, is speaking full-time now, so he's, he's figured a few things out. So excited to chat with him, talk a little bit about his uh, story and journey. So, uh, Pete, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Looking so forward to it. Let's, first of all, let's take a little uh, high-level view of what business is like today, and then we'll kind of backtrack. So tell us a little bit about how much are you speaking, what types of events are you speaking at, who are you speaking to, what's the, the problem that you're solving for your audiences? Kind of paint that picture for us. Yeah. So at this point, you know, speaking started off as doing a lot of training and leadership coaching initially and a little speaking. And yeah. over the past couple of years, that's kind of morphed now. And I'm doing mostly speaking with a little training and coaching on the side, but predominantly speaking, you know, somewhere between 40 to 50 engagements a year. And a lot of it is with the association. So a lot in, in that world and then starting to branch off into more corporate now as well. Okay. So uh, that's kind of the high level overview of, of the business yeah. as it is. And so what are you typically speaking on? Significance. Okay. So I'm usually asked to come in either as a, an opening or closing keynote for conferences at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's really uh, designed to get the people in the audience thinking about 
what they can do differently to live in a very significant way. You know, how do we incorporate significance into our lives personally and professionally and remove it from this magical, you know, theoretical concept, but really add some practicality to it and yeah. say, no, this is exactly who we were created to be. Here's what it looks like. Here's what we can do. Here's how you do it. Uh, I'd be curious to hear more about how you do that because it, you know, outside looking in, it does feel like kind of this, you know, vague, broad topic of significance. Like, yeah, what does that mean? How does that fit into, you know, an association right. or corporate world? And I think that's the spot that a lot of speakers may find themselves in is, you know, they would call themselves a, you know, an inspirational or motivational type speaker. And it, it, it just, it feels a little squishy, you know, without yeah, knowing like, all right, yeah. but how, like, what does that actually translate to? And how does a event planner or decision maker, you know, quantify what that looks like in terms of, of their event? So kind of talk us through a little bit more like what speaking on significance what does that translate to in terms of an event and an event planner who's looking for you know a, a speaker for their event yeah you mentioned you know the term motivational speaker sure, sure. and and i like how you talk about squishy to me it, it's like it's motivation without the cheese yeah, yeah, you know because totally. we've all heard like got a you negative can do it and i'm, yeah, in, yeah. The, I'm in the in the back like i don't know if you can <laughs> you know and so and so part of that is just is putting it in proper perspective by saying look there there are certain speakers that that will drive an energy within your audience, and it's motivating, but it's it's short lived. Yeah. And I find that my presentation can be motivating, but people are motivated because they're also given the next steps on what to focus on afterwards. You know. Yeah. And so, as I talk to event planners, my goal is to get inside the heads of the attendees, and not just during my time on stage, but long after the conference. Right. You know, I want them thinking and mulling these things over because of the challenging aspect of, of what I'm presenting. It's not this fluffy feel good. I mean, you feel good, but, but it's not some surface level type of content. It's really driving home that this is probably the most challenging endeavor you you'll ever be on. Yeah. Uh, are you up for the, are you up for that task? Yeah. So it's different, you know, and I think that's why, what, what draws the appeal to them. So for an event, so even just thinking about like the last couple of events that you have done, um, are there a couple of associations or groups that come to mind that you've spoke to? Yeah. Yeah, uh, healthcare associations, okay. and then there is a, a, an accounting and IT one. Okay, uh, so let's take which, the IT one for example. So you're pitching to an event planner to speak at the at an IT type event or an IT audience on the topic of significance. What is it that they're looking for that feels like you can connect the dots for them with? A lot of their attendees, and and it's funny that I that I spoke recently at an IT and accounting because those are industries that I very rarely speak at, to be yeah. honest with you. But the way that, that we connected the dots for them there is a lot of them are in thankless positions, you know, especially IT. Yeah. You know, people aren't calling them saying, Hey, I just want to let you know that I logged into my computer computer today and it was awesome and you rock. <laughs> you know, like it worked. <laughs> yeah, everything worked, and I just think you're a genius and I love you. Like they never hear that. Yeah. And so so much of them, they're feeling they're burned out, you know, they're yeah. overworked, they're overwhelmed. And part of what I try to do for them is, as with any audience, is answer the question, what's the point? Yeah. Right? Because we all get to that. But what's the point? What am I doing this for? Yeah. And so much of it is, well, where are you finding the source for that answer? Yeah. If you're looking at society, society says this, and I may have a different perspective for you. So it's helping them. They feel burned down. They feel overworked, overwhelmed. Uh, kind of helps them step back, get readjusted, shift their mindset a little bit, and, and answer some hard questions. Gotcha. Okay. So if a an event planner is considering bringing Pete in, and they're thinking about, they're typically not thinking about the topic of significance. What is it? Would you that yeah. you would say that they are looking for? Of like, hey, we just want someone who can come in and fire up everybody, or who can encourage or inspire everyone. Or what would you say is like? we're looking for a speaker that can do X and here's where we see Pete fitting in to solve that problem. What would you say? Right. For that? 
So sometimes when you talk about people that that get others fired up, sure. right? I'm, I'm very transparent with event planners by saying, look, if you want someone on stage who's jumping up and down, who has yeah. the audience running around, that's awesome. Yeah. That's not me. Right. You know, like if I'm running around stage, there is a there's a spider on stage and right. I'm freaking out or I'm going to rip my hamstrings and it's just going to be a terrible presentation. But right. if you want someone who is going to be able to come across as relatable, insightful, and really challenge the attendees on looking at things differently and then providing the, the, the tools and the skills to move forward on some things, then I'm a good fit. That's what it, I would present to them. Right. So Yes, it can be motivating. You get the crowd moving, but but not simply from an emotional perspective that's short term, but rather something that's going to last for them uh, long beyond the conference. So what would that be? What would you feel like the takeaways are that you would want an attendee to leave with on something like significance? Yeah. And so a lot of it is covering the certain points. You know, there's there's a certain framework that I present to them regarding significance. And, and there's six easy things. I don't always get through all six in a 60, you know, I'm not trying to cram so much, but- right. Simple reminders, power of choice, the importance of identity, addressing the fear, learning to let things go, a concept called embracing the crazy and evaluating your impact on others. Okay. And so those are the, kind of like the six pillars of, of significance that I lay out and we kind of work through, you know, what's really going on in the lives of, of your attendees personally and professionally. Right. Because I intentionally want to tear down this proverbial, proverbial wall that we know doesn't exist, even though society continues to say, hey, we need to keep both things separate, I think different. Right. So looking at that and, and really just talking about, you know, choice, identity, and fear seem to be the biggest three, the, the most common ones that people want me to address because it's relevant for everyone sitting in those seats. So I'm curious if you've got those kind of six pillars, you mentioned that sometimes you get to all of them, sometimes you don't. Do you typically just say, like hearing from the event planner and and going, okay, based on what they're looking for, based on what the audience has, these three are going to be the primary pillars we're going to hit in the talk, which right. may be the a different three and a different audience or in a different context. Is it kind of does your talk kind of flow like that, or is it typically <laughs> I'm going to try to get to all six if possible? Yeah, and I usually tell them I'm not going to get to all six. You know, we can do a workshop, or, or yeah. there's going to be a keynote. The first three, the, the choice, the identity, and the fears, those are the three that set up the next three. And so as soon as we go into depth on those three, then I'm, I'm highlighting the importance of, of those additional three, but I'm spending the bulk of, of that presentation on those first three. Okay. And they, they seem to enjoy it. Cool. So let's yeah. backtrack for a second here. So how did you first get into speaking? Like when did you discover speaking was a thing? So if we really want to go to backtrack, we, we have to go back to 1996. Okay. All and right. I was, um, my initial intent was to go to law school. That, that's, that's what I was going to So I was, I'm getting a degree in political science and I did an internship that summer between my junior and senior year on Long Island. And I loved the internship and hated law. Okay. And so I get back to school and I call my parents and, and my mom answers. And I said, yeah, mom, I just want to let you know, I, I don't think I'm going to pursue law school. I've thought about it. It's not going to be for me. So she said, okay, uh, let me get your father on the phone. And so I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, okay. So my dad gets on the phone. And uh, he says, so your mother tells me that you don't want to go to law school. I said, yeah. I said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure, but I think maybe at some point I want to speak or something. Okay. So all of a sudden there's this moment of silence on, on the other end. And my dad's like this hardcore, blunt Irishman, doesn't hold anything back. you yeah. know. So he says, well, I have two questions for you. I said, all right. He said, 
what the hell are you going to say? And who the hell is going to listen to you? Right. And I was like, well, I haven't thought this all the way through clearly, you know? And so I guess, you know, when you think about, did I, did I have an idea? I didn't really know. I loved the idea of speaking even at an early age. And I think that can be attributed to going back a previous five years. I think it was 1991 where I had the opportunity to see Billy Graham Mm -hmm. at the Nassau Coliseum. And he was just I mean, incredible, incredible doesn't even do him justice, but the way that he was able to connect with the audience and move the audience, I just loved it. I loved it. And so I didn't start speaking in 1996 because to some degree, my dad was right. I had nothing to really offer a value. You know, I was 22 and and graduating college. And then I had a career in, in some different industries and had some success there, but I really didn't start speaking until 2014. And part of it was because I had a stroke in 2010. Wow. And so, you know, that's really the whole where significance and the focus on significance stems from that experience of having a stroke and thinking, you know, I remember my during the stroke, everything starts shutting down. And I remember thinking, I'm dying. I have, yeah. I have about 60 seconds left to live. Wow. And so part of what I talk about is what did I think about in those 60 seconds? You know, really, what are the things that actually matter? And to me, it wasn't about success. And it wasn't about happiness. It was about significance. It was about, did I matter? Yeah. And so that, that is, is kind of what propelled me into really looking and connecting with people in a different way and starting to recognize that, you know, as unique as we all are, there's also a lot of consistencies and yeah. that's where that framework came from is, is that's what matters most in our lives. And so that's kind of the framework of it. And then Honestly, Grant, I didn't even share that with a lot of people from yeah. 2010 to 2013 because I didn't think people really cared, like yeah. it didn't matter. And and then I started sharing that story and all of a sudden people are saying, well, that's the story that you need to tell. Yeah. And you know, I got invited to speak at some local group and that said, oh, you need to go talk to this person and that person. And then slowly but surely things started shifting and and here I am. So you're in the, okay, let's go back to 1996, Pete Smith, because yeah. I think that Pete Smith is a spot where a lot of people find themselves. I'm just like, I've done a little bit of speaking here and there. I like it. I could see myself doing more of that. I think that'd be a lot of fun, but I just don't know what to do. So it sounds like it more or less set dormant for 15, 20 years before yeah. you took any action on it. So in those 15, 20 years, are you still thinking like, all right, how do I segue whatever I'm doing into speaking? Or how do I find opportunities yeah. to speak? Or is it just kind of like, you know what? Maybe my dad was right. Maybe that was just a pipe dream that's not going anywhere. Yeah. Like, what, what's Actually, happening in yeah. that time frame? I think B. I think uh, I don't know if I ever gave it a second thought yeah. because I probably hung up the phone thinking, yeah, he's right. Yeah. You know, like really, what what do I have to share? What am I going to talk about? You know. And so I didn't think about speaking at all. Do you think if he had said, you know what, you know, I parents are different. Parents want the best for their kids. You know, you and I are both dads. And so part of you, on one hand, you're kind of like, nah, that's a horrible idea. And on the other hand, you're like, sure, give it a shot. You know, do you think if he'd said, give it a shot, it would have made any difference? Probably not. Because, you know, one of the things you you realize is that- questions are still true. (laughs) Yeah, you you still need a message to deliver, you know? And and so what what was I going to say? How to declare a degree that you'll never use? Great. (laughs) You know, I could have talked about that. And and I just don't know if there was a a large audience that was going to pay for that. So I think to some degree he was right. At that stage, I didn't really have a message. I didn't have something that I was so committed to delivering. Mm -hmm. You know, I was more focused on, let's get a job. Let's do a good job at that job and lessons learned during that in management and leadership and kind of all 
comes together at the end, which I think is, is really cool. So was the plan all along like, okay, I'm going to go into the corporate world. And I'm going to work for a while. And then eventually I'll kind of figure out what I could potentially speak on. Or I'm just getting some, you know, career and life skills and business skills, and then we'll kind of figure it out. And we'll just, again, kind of leave it on the, on the back burner for now. Or was it yeah. like, what, what was, what are you kind of thinking in those, those 10, 15 years? I would like to say that everything was being geared for this sure, moment sure. during speaking. And it just wasn't the case. I, yeah. I never thought twice about actually speaking after that conversation, you know, uh, I got a degree. I went into landscape design and construction uh, (laughs) because it's what I did during the summer. And, you know, it's a natural progression when you get a poli sci degree and you don't go to law school, you, you start landscape (laughs) design and construction. I was an athlete too. I was, I was a wrestler in college. And so I started coaching when I was done at the high school level. And I I loved connecting with the high school kids in that way. And so I went into teaching Uh, and then I moved off Long Island, went down to Virginia and, got into telecom sales because in 01, telecom was booming, yeah, you know, 2000, yeah. 2001. And then September 11th hit. And so I went back into education and teaching and, and just met people at different stages throughout the path. And I'm probably one of those people that I, I don't have a five-year plan. You asked me what my five-year plan is. I'm like, man, I, I don't know what I'm- <laughs> Ask me in five, five minutes, minutes looks like, you know? Yeah. And so what I do know though, is that every position that I had, started or was open because of relationships that I formed along the way. Yeah. And I didn't anticipate a lot of the the jobs that I was going to be have or end up doing, but I loved them and I yeah. loved the people I was working with and that opened up new opportunities. And then I find that that's been the consistent thing for me. So you have the stroke in 2010 and then it sounds like you're doing a little, maybe some random stuff here and there where you're kind of speaking at something or maybe a work function. What kind of things were you speaking at there that kind of got your wheels spinning about it again? Working for a company in 2010, have the stroke, end up leaving in 2011 to go out on my own. Okay. Now I'm the poster child for how not to go out on your own. Honestly, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, you go from working with a hundred people to all of a sudden a home office and, and your inbox, which you have to figure out how to create one for yourself, is, is empty. Like I wanted to get spammed just so someone would recognize that I had an email address, you know? And, and so I have no idea what I'm doing. I end up finding, you know, uh, Skillpath, Skillpath, yeah, yeah, Fred yeah. Pryors, yeah. right? So I end up doing a little audition for them, get hired, do yeah. the Skillpath thing, grind my teeth that way. That is a and tough world. So I, I did, I did that for about six months and it is brutal. It is brutal. Yeah. I think, I think I was, I was similar to you. I think I may have lasted eight months, but what was really interesting about that, and you could probably attest to this is you're in front of a different audience every day. Yep. yep. 75% of them who don't want to be there. Oh, uh-huh. At least 75%. Right? Yes. And 90% of them who say, Hey, this is really great, but I'll tell you who really should have been here. And it's usually someone else back at the office. Right. And so through that experience, I started recognizing everyone else seems to think that none of this pertains to them and you know, it does. And so while I was there, I ended up creating a group coaching program called expect to win. And that was entirely focused on these types of mid-level managers that were attending those those presentations. Yeah. But it was a six-month program designed to focus on them. And so that's when I left SkillPath. I was doing the Expect to Win program. And then some companies you know, called me and said, hey, would you talk about what you're doing with this group to our managers? And, and it kind of just stemmed from there. Gotcha. So even at that point, I didn't think about speaking until 2014, you know, and and then it was like, huh, I wonder, like, is this real or is this yeah. a pipe dream of the 90s or can people actually do this? And Right. 
And, and for just for context, for those who aren't familiar with uh, Skillpath, Fred Pryor, National Seminars, they're they're big um, seminar companies that basically host these like public seminars around the country on all different types of you know, workplace skill sets. So uh, time management or organization or leadership. What did, what did you speak on? It was leadership management. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so basically they host these and just like hotel ballrooms around the country in different markets. And so your job as a speaker is just to show up and deliver, which is nice in theory. Uh, you're paid <laughs> hardly anything. And it's just, it's like a, it's like a nine to five doing all day seminar with people that don't want to be there, pack up your stuff, drive or fly to the next city. And you're what they call it? They called a swing. I think uh, yeah. you do five cities in five days, and it yeah. sucked. It was yes. But yeah. to your point, like it gave, oh. like it gave you practice. It gave you opportunities. Like that was the thing that I, I really appreciated. Was like I could be doing something that I don't want to be doing. And granted, like these people don't want to be here, and this is material that I don't really know that well. I, it's, right. I'm speaking. I'm, I'm right. much closer right. to the right. goal than if I was doing something else. So it gave me some of yeah. those opportunities. So it's, I remember like starting with them, and the guy telling me from day one, like you need to start thinking through your exit strategy, you know, which is good <laughs> or bad, but it's just like, yeah. you know, you can, you can get sucked into that and get trapped there. And, but you can, if you can figure the, the figure it out on your own, you, you can certainly do a lot better. And thankfully we, we both figured out a few things. Right. So, yeah. When you, when your exit strategy is part of your uh, initial interview for hire, you know, you know, something's off, but right. Right. You know, but it, it's great experience, great totally. practice. You know, you did mention the money and you're like, great. I'm back to yep. ramen noodles yep. again. I thought I was done with this 20 years ago, but you know, the, it, there is value in everything. So how do you go from, all right, I'm doing some, some seminars for skill path. I'm doing some group coaching to, all right, I'm ready to, I'm, I want to give this speaking thing a shot. I really want to, yeah. I want to get into this because again, you're, you're almost going back to that 1996 guy of like, I have a little bit more experience now, a little bit less hair and I want right. to do this thing, but I just, I don't know what I don't know. And I don't know where to begin. So where, where do you go? What do you do? Yeah, and I had just as much of a wicked tan at that point as I did in the '90s too. So that so that was awesome. That helped. So here's what I did: I ended up going jumping on Google and I looked for local associations that had monthly meetings, mm-hmm. and I ended up finding this little association in Maryland that had this one day or like half day. And you were in DC conference. at the time. I was in DC. Okay. Yeah, Northern Virginia, and um, I sent an email to that organizer saying, Hey, I don't know if you invite speakers in, but you know, I have a presentation. I'd love to get it. She invites me in. Right. It's totally free. It's, it's this, whatever. But the, but the group was medical billers. Okay. Because of my, my vast medical and healthcare background. So (laughs) medical billers seemed like a good idea. So I go and deliver this presentation and they loved it. That person that booked me for that happened to be the state conference chair for the following year. Wow. And she said, we'd love for you to, to be the keynote at that conference. Wow. And that's how it started. So I started with, with that. And then I contacted the Virginia chapter of the same association and yep. said, Hey, I just spoke to Maryland. They seem to enjoy it. I know you have conferences coming up and they booked me for that one. Cool. And so, you know, just kind of stems from there. Yeah. So. Just kind of parlay in there. And that's one of those things that, you know, I think we both probably have a bunch of stories of people who, like you spoke at something, some random thing, and the right person happened to be in the audience. And you yeah. can't like reverse engineer that. And you can't, 
you can't reach out to them ahead of time and be like, hey, can you tell me the the titles and roles of all the people that are going to be in the audience, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. that may lead yeah. to future business. But one of the things that's oftentimes true is that uh, the more often you speak, the more opportunities kind of organically can come out of that. Um, did you find that to be the case early on for you just as you're getting that ball rolling? 100 percent. Hundred yeah. uh, percent. Look, there's no better marketing in this industry than delivering a great presentation. Yeah, and it's it. You're right. It's fascinating who is sitting in that audience. You know, there's another little medical office management association that I spoke at that happened to be a couple of bankers yeah. in the audience, and and that was the first time someone mm-hmm. called me up the next day. They said, "Hey, we want you to come into this bank and and uh, and do the same presentation." Like, yeah. Now, this is before the, this Maryland one. So I go have lunch with them. They're buying me lunch. I was like, this is awesome. This is right, more than right. I made all week. And so this is great. You're buying me lunch. And so they said, we want you to come in. And I said, well, that's great. You know, that was a, that was a free presentation I give. I, I would need to charge. And like, sure, what do you charge? Moment of sheer terror and yeah. panic. Because I'm like, I, I don't know. So I said, well, uh, $500, <laughs> you know? And they're like, oh, okay, great. And I was like, Yes, you know, I'm retired. This is the most <laughs> money ever. Yes, right. So, uh, so actually, it was that that lunch. I end up dro- on my way home. That's when I called my parents and yeah. I said, "It's taken me 15 <laughs> years or whatever." But I finally found what right. I'm going to say and who's going to pay me. And then, of course, I got ripped by friends. Like you charged a bank 500. Like they right. can go in the in the vault before they come see you for 500. You know, and we'll just take it out of petty cash. Just take it out of petty cash. But <laughs> You know, how do you know? But that's a good example of, wow, there are different industries that are represented at these different events and and they have different meetings and, you know, there's so so many different opportunities. So where do do you go from there? Okay, I I go speak at this local random medical biller thing. You know, I I get a banking thing out of it. I lead to another association thing in another state. And, you know, you get a couple of these like one off things, random things. But going from that to like, I want to do this full time. And I think I have what it takes. But I'm also like balancing being a husband, being a father, working another full time job, like having other plates that are spinning and other irons in the fire. Like, how do you begin to make that transition into doing more speaking at a higher level? Part of it was understanding the business better. As you know, the, the sales cycle in speaking is is lengthy, Yep. right? It can be. And so a lot, it started with a discussion with my wife. Uh, the second discussion, the first one was leaving my job and she's a teacher, you know? And yep. so all of a sudden we went from dual income when I ventured out of my own to now we're living off a teacher's salary. Are, are we okay with this? And oh, by the way, we're pregnant with our first son. Yeah. Uh, so good timing. Um, and then the second conversation was during, you know, a couple of years in saying, I, I want to pursue speaking, but the sales cycle, you know, I'm, I'm applying for things that aren't happening for next year, right. but it's separating the time to commit to doing the research. And, and there's a lot of legwork, as you know, right. finding events and just that internet trail of finding different events and creating a list and being organized and following up and, and going from there. And so that's, that's how it started. But I, I also submit tons of proposals. Yeah. I'm, I'm like a, a proposal machine. And that that worked out as well. How much of those, especially early on, like that first year or so of the events that you're doing, how many of those are free versus how many of those are paid? Let's see. In 2014, I think I had six paid. Okay. But that was a combination of, of training and these little one-off so anything that I was being paid to just speak, I would count that, that as a counts, speaking yeah. engagement. Yeah. Yeah. So 2015 uh, actually went down one. So at five, and that's okay. when I really started to focus on, no, I want to do this differently. 
And then 2016, you know, there were 21 and 2017, there were thirties and 2018 will be 40 to 50 this year. Yeah. So yeah. look, it, it's, it's a commitment and it's discipline to do the research on the events, reach, make contact, stay organized, follow up and yeah. continuously work on delivering a great presentation anytime you're in front of a group. So if you're in like 2015, you do six events, 2016, you do five events, you go, you go down one, two years of like working on this and you take a step back and you're not, you're not making it done. I assume it doesn't feel like you're making a ton of progress. So it would have been real easy at that point to be like, like the ROI on my time is just not there. Like this is just right. not worth it. So what kept you from saying like, you either you saying it or your wife saying it like this, like, forget this is that we got other things we could be doing. Yeah. I have a very great wife who's very understanding because then we also had another son 17 months later. So all of this is kind of panning in the one silver lining in having one less speaking engagement the following year was that I made more per engagement that year. So I made more overall, you know, I I think I had six engagements in 2014. I probably made $7,000 in speaking, you know? And so, but you backtrack to five the next year, but now I'm at 17,000 in yeah. speaking, you yeah. know? And so there's hope there's light at the end of the tunnel there. And, but part of it was just a, an internal belief that, you know, that, that this is something that I don't know if you want to say called to do or that you can do and you can make it happen. And uh, I think there's value in, in working hard. You know, some people say, I want to work, I want to work smarter, not harder. Well, I think there's a lot of value in working harder too. Yeah. And then combining the two. So I just upped the ante. I started submitting more and yeah. and it started, you know, things start saying yes. And, and that's contagious. You know, those right. yeses become contagious. Yeah. Speaking is very much a, one of the things we talk a lot about is speaking is very much a momentum business that early on, it can be very difficult to get those first couple gigs. But once you yeah. get some gigs, it's a lot easier to get other gigs from repeat to referral or word of mouth, or like you said, some, you know, random people that may happen to be in the audience, or you spoke at one thing in Maryland and you're able to parlay that into the exact same thing in Virginia. And you do that a few times and it starts to really get the the ball rolling there. But right. one of the things you touched on earlier is that speaking is also very much a, like a, a long game and that you may, someone may see you speak three years ago that ends up booking you today. Right. And, right, and that, like, right. that's, that's, that's a long time to follow up and wait and chase for something that may or may not ever pan out. Um, yeah. and it's almost, I always think of it almost like, you know, if you're a realtor, like most people only buy or sell a house a couple of times in their life, you know, but you want to be top of mind when they are looking for whoever's when looking for a realtor, yeah. you know? And so for yeah. an event planner, they may be only be reviewing speakers uh, for one week out of the year and you don't know when that week is necessarily. And you're just trying to strike right then. And hopefully that, the, the you know, the stars align. So it's a lot of like just planting seeds and sometimes it pans out and sometimes it doesn't. So are there times where you have felt discouraged or you've wondered if it's worth it, or if you wonder if you have what it takes or wonder if this is worth what you're putting into it? Still do. Yeah. yeah I probably did this morning, you yeah. know? And so, uh, What's great is you start making friends with other people who are also speakers. And and I remember having a conversation with one saying the line between absolutely crushing it and flipping burgers at Wendy's is, (laughs) is as wide as dental floss. Right. And like, you don't know, you have no idea. So there's a certain personality that has to be okay with, with that ambiguity and that uncertainty, you know, And, and, I have no idea what cities I'm going to be speaking at in 2019 yet. I have an idea of where they're being hosted, but I don't know which ones I'm getting. And so that's not fit for everybody. 
Yeah. And so part of it, as you know, there are a lot of people who say, oh, I want to do what you do, which is great. Are you willing to do what I've done to do what I do? Yes. You know? Yeah. And so that's where you start seeing some people say, not as much. Now that I yeah. know, probably not. They right. like the idea of being on stage and speaking. They don't like the idea of doing the legwork and and wondering if you've completely messed up, if you're going to lose your family, if you're going to do everything else because you've just gotten nine no's in a row. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing. We're, we're talking about a business where if you get 10% yes, you're a rock star. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> and so at least early on, yeah. uh, or maybe that's not true. And maybe afterwards you'd be like, Pete, we need to talk about that. Cause you really shouldn't be at 10%, <laughs> but uh, you know, that's kind of where, where I'm at right yeah. now. And it, for me, it just submit more proposals, get the message out there because uh, it's well, you, a message worth delivering. And you make a good point ter- and too, in terms of the, like the mental and emotional toil that it can, it can take on you, you know, that like on paper, you're like, Oh dude, I just, I got paid thousands of dollars to speak one time. Right. This is amazing. But then like, yeah, people don't realize I may not do this again for several right. weeks and my family yeah. still has to eat and live indoors, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. So Next time I'm up is January. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's so, like months yeah. where you're just like, I'm killing it. And then months where there's just crickets and nothing and right. everything in between, you know? So you have to, the highs can't be too high and the lows can't be too low. And you, you have to, you have to really balance that out. So looking at what you do today. So obviously you've got some traction, you've got some momentum. What, like, what are you doing today to find and book gigs? What's working for you right now? A few different things. One is started partnering with other speakers. Cool. And and so setting being more consistent in finding speakers who speak on not necessarily a, the same topic, but something similar. Yep. You know, and if they bring him in, they bring me in. They're open to this type of presentation. And so really being more consistent with sitting with uh, having that call every month saying, How was your month? Where were mm-hmm. you? Making those introductions. Yeah, one of the, so good, that's one the cool thing. things about speakers is like if you show up and do a, a gig uh, and do even if you do a great job, is oftentimes they're not going to bring you back for two, three, four years. They just want right. some of the audience to turn over. They want some different faces in there. So yeah, being I, I want to stay in that relationship with them. I want to stay top of mind. So in two, three, four years, they think of me. But I'd love to to insert some friends in there, and I'd love for some friends right. to do the same thing for me. So yeah, partnering up with some uh, some friends. So you, you mentioned like you you guys just touch base on a monthly basis and just kind of compare yeah. notes on where you've been yep. and any introductions or referrals you can make. Exactly. So the beginning cool. of every month, we talk about previous month. Where were we? Where did we speak? What were the fees? Uh, what was the audience yeah. like? What was it like to work with them? Are we a good fit? Yes, no, great. Let's make virtual email intros and, yeah. and go from there. How did you go so, about finding those speakers and connecting with them? There's only two. I, I would say I'm I'm picky, yep. and uh, as as anybody you, you probably, recommend, your reputation's on the line. So yeah, you, exactly. you need them to be good. Yeah, we we can't recommend everyone who says, "Hey, I am a speaker," right? Yep, and you're like, exactly. Yeah, but you shouldn't be. I'm sorry, sound judgmental, but you know that's true, yep. right? And yep. so, or if you look, you can be a speaker. I'm just, I, I'm just not the person that's going to refer you. Yep. So this one, I've seen, I've connected with. Uh, we we've known each other now for almost three years. And we just started maybe in the past six months really connecting in this manner. So for both of us, I think we were hesitant at first and bought into what each other was doing, believes in, in presentations and, and go from there. Nice. So yeah, that that's worked out. So that's one. The other is is starting to partner with people to do the other functions that I used to do, the consulting, the coaching. And so more strategic partnerships on on that stuff. And I started realizing that's some people that's their sweet spot. You know, yep. they love those one day trainings and two day trainings. I don't. Yeah. Uh, and, and skill so, path beats that out of skill you. Skill path, right. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I have flashbacks, you know, and I yep. can't sleep the night before. So, but partnering with people who can, because that's the other thing is, is you deliver a great message. People want to come up to you afterwards and say, can you bring this to my organization? Yep, and exactly. not necessarily in speaking, but training. Yeah, I can. It's going to be the same content, similar uh, philosophies, but I'm going to have someone else do that. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a different direction now. And really just for me, it's focused on the presentation and, and the opportunities. Cool. Let's wrap up with this. Yeah. So uh, if you were looking back on either 1996 Pete or 2010 Pete or 2014 yeah. Pete and going like, there's so, there's something there. I want to do this. I don't know if I've got what it takes. I don't know. I don't know what I speak about. I don't know who I'd speak to. I'm, I don't even know what I don't know. What would you say to that version of you? I would. I, I don't want to go back to 1996 me. That's just disastrous <laughs> for everybody. And I was clueless. Look, you know, part of it would be have a very candid snapshot of are you ready for this or are you not? Yeah. Do you like the idea of speaking or do you not? Do you, have, do you have a great message that you think is going to benefit the lives of other people or do you not? You know, yeah. and really an honest account there. But then fast forward to the 2010 or 2014, it's one of those things where when you have that belief that you know you have a message that's going to either shorten the learning curve or, or directly positively impact the life of another, then who are you not to deliver it? Yeah. And, and it may look on different terms than what you think. And if you're committed to relentlessly improving what you do and how you do it. Look, there's plenty of opportunity out there. And, totally. and I think the opportunities go to the people who work the hardest to get them. Yeah. Very so. well said. Pete, we appreciate the time, man. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where, where can we go? Smithimpact.com. Smithimpact.com. Did you, do you have PeteSmith.com? No, I, you know, Smith is very unique. And so, you know, Pete Smith, it's, uh, I think I'm like, number 973,000 on the waiting list to get PeteSmith.com. Okay. But, uh, How did you land on Smith Impact? And the reason I ask is because there are certainly people who have a, like a, a, just a common name, you know? And so yeah. like getting the .com is just basically out of the question. So unless you're right. going to pay some exorbitant fee. So how did you land on, on that where you could have done, you know, Pete Smith Speaker or PeteSmith.co or any number of other variables? How did you land on Smith Impact? I think I actually had that Twitter t uh, account name okay. first. And then uh, parlayed that into, all right, this would be a good company. What, what's it a bottom line? What are you trying to do? I'm trying to make a bigger impact in, in the people I've served. So, yeah. you know, you, you do all the research and, you know, you try to put your name in, have it associated with you. And I couldn't get Pete Smith. So Smith Impact seemed to, seemed to stick. That works. Yeah. And I think there's also a good lesson there of just like, do the homework to figure out what the other alternatives are, but at some point, just pick something and go with just it. Pick you know? Look, no one, no one hired me to be like, I, I really hired you because of your website it's your domain so, name i was you know? so close so, to hiring you but you didn't have petesmith.com right, so. your domain name sucked so i figured can't do that so yeah cool. get out there and try it yep good stuff yeah. pete we appreciate the time man thanks man appreciate it all right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Pete Smith. And again, just good stuff, practical stuff. And again, he followed the system that we teach over at Booked and Paid to Speak, which is again, is our tra premium training program, walking you through exactly how to find and book gigs. Now, if you want kind of a free overview of how to find and book speaking gigs, definitely want to check out that free training I mentioned to you, freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com is the training where you can find out all about how to find and book paid speaking gigs. All right. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.